Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everybody to episode 100 of the No Normal Show for Thursday, April 15th, 2021, brought to you by Revive Health. This is our weekly deep dive into how hospital and health system marketers can navigate what we're calling the No Normal. I'm Chris Bevelo, health systems practice lead at Revive Health and your host for the show. I'm joined as always for the, I don't know, for the hundredth time, but for most of those hundreds, by Chase Kleckner, who's Senior Marketing Manager at Revive Health and our show's producer. Hello, Chase. Hi, Chris. Welcome back. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been, a, I think, a month for reasons planned and not, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, but glad to be back. We're also joined by a familiar face, Brandon Edwards, who is the founder and CEO of Revive Health, bringing 27 years of experience in healthcare and integrated marketing with special expertise in issues management and the complexities inherent in the business of healthcare. Before starting Revive Health, Brandon served for eight years as president and COO of a national agency. And before that, he oversaw crisis communications for Tenant Healthcare's 116 hospitals in 19 states. Hello, Brandon. Makes me tired just hearing you say all that. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've, been, you've been far and wide, so we're glad you're here today. Uh, we've got a really fun show, so hold on, Brent. I want to cover some housekeeping notes. Uh, if you're new to the show, thank you for joining us, whether you're live with us now or listening in. This is where we share industry trends, research, stories uh, from folks inside healthcare, from outside, wherever we can get it. Anything to help you all, health system marketers and communicators, navigate that no normal successfully. If you want to know more about what we mean by the no normal, definitely check out the blog post that we have that outlines the key principles. Chase will share a link to that in the chat function. Uh, chat function is a great place to talk to the other people who are attending live if you're with us. If you have a question for us, which we certainly hope you do today, given the unique format that we're going to share for today's show, uh, put that in the Q&A chat. That's where we're going to look for um, questions from the audience. Super important today that we get questions from the audience. So don't be silent. Don't hold back. Uh, this is your time. Also, remember that you can subscribe to this show as a podcast on iTunes or wherever else you listen. So that's our standard opening for the show. But this is our 100th episode worth celebrating. So we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have an AMA, an Ask Me Anything show. Uh, so I believe I'm no AMA historian. I believe this originated on Reddit. I'm not a huge Reddit guy. Are you a Reddit guy, Brandon? I'm not, but my middle son is, so he translates Reddit for me. Oh, yeah. My kids are all over Reddit, <laughs> but, but not me. So I think it originated there. I know the format is, is expanded beyond that. But basically, what we're saying is it's a Q&A. Uh, where we were, we're here to just answer whatever questions you have. Uh, the spirit of an AMA, though, especially given that it originated in Reddit, is that ask us anything. I mean, you know, within some boundaries, but ask us <laughs> anything. We're here to answer whatever the heck you can bring us. We've already got questions, by the way, that people have submitted beforehand. Uh, but we really want people to, to weigh in live. And so questions are already coming in. That's fantastic. Um, Chase is going to be our arbiter. I don't know if that's the right word. The question wizard. Is that a better word? That works for me. Okay. He's going to be our question wizard. He's going to, he's going to facilitate what questions he's going to throw them to Brandon and I. Brandon and I will both answer each question. We'll maybe do it in different orders. Not always equally well. 
uh, or thoughtful, but we will do our best. And yeah, I don't think there's anything else to, Brandon, do you want to share something real quick before we go? No, I think we're good. Yeah, just one thing. And as I want to thank you guys, because you know, when we started this uh, last year, I don't think we thought we'd be doing a hundred of anything. And, you know, I think we probably, I, I will put myself on the camp of saying two weeks, right? We're going to do this for two weeks. We're all going to go home and then we're all going to be back in the office and life's going to be normal. And, and here we are. And I think I appreciate how much work you guys have put into this, but also I, I hope we've answered a lot of really important questions for people along the way. So hopefully today we'll continue that trend. We will be answering questions. We'll just hope they're, we'll, we'll hope we answer them well to your point. So we will be answering questions. That's very much appreciated, but you know, the Chase and I secret is this is a blast to do. We're really lucky that we get to do this. I mean, we get to spend time with the smartest people out there in the industry, plus Brandon. Plus um, me. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of that, I'm afraid. That's where, that's where we're going today. <laughs> that's where we're going. I've already just played it down there. Uh, but it is just a thrill to be able to do this show. I mean, we just hear firsthand from um, amazing people and get to have conversations with just, just the best of the best. And again, like the guests, I can't believe the guests we're having on next week. I'll tease it once again. Stay tuned at the end and we will share who that is. But boy, this is so fun to do and appreciate all the people who show up for the show uh, and those who listen after, whether it's via podcast or recording. This is all for you. So with that, I've never done an AMA. Have you done an AMA, Brandon? Uh, I mean, I guess I do AMA internally with our staff, which is usually every bit as humiliating as this is about. <laughs> so <laughs> It's just not out there on the internets. Yeah, it's not out for the world to see. That thank God. No, so. no. All right, Chase. I think we're I think we're warmed up and ready to go. So let's have it. All right, let's go. We've got the first question, which is, what have you seen from hospitals during the last year that has really impressed you? Mm. How about Brandon? I'll answer? I'll answer uh, from a non-marketing standpoint, and Chris, said, and then you can okay. maybe stack on top. I don't think at least in my adult life, I have ever seen an industry respond with such obvious selflessness. So the, the thing that impresses me most, particularly over the last year, is that everything changed and almost everyone in our industry pivoted to meet the need without regard to how it was going to harm their business or, the, or in some cases themselves, right? And so I think it's we have always been proud to work in the space, obviously, but I think anybody that could look at the last year and not be incredibly proud to be associated with hospitals and with physicians and nurses isn't paying attention, right? I mean, that it, it's, it's pretty incredible to see something like that happen in that time period. Yeah, that is amazing. We don't talk about that enough. You don't hear people talking about that out in the world enough. Maybe there was an expectation because I think a lot of people think of hospitals as charities and um, we know even the nonprofits aren't really charities. They have to make money. They have to stay open. But that needs to be that means that needs to be celebrated more broadly, for yeah. sure. Marketing wise, so I have, I have two. So I don't know if that's cheating. I don't know how it works. I don't know the rules. I don't think there are rules. No that's rules the on AMA. There's no rule. The only rule about AMA is we don't talk about AMA. <laughs> is that the only rule? Um, okay. So the first one is, uh, given what Brandon just said, and in that same spirit how we saw hospitals and health systems come together collaboratively in the markets that they serve. These are competitors that, you know, go at each other every day. 
um, right from the get-go in terms of communicating about washing your hands, social distancing. Don't remember, don't touch your face. Remember that these competitors came together in markets. Um, I think of Houston as a major one, um, but it happened. I think in many other markets, Cincinnati, New York, pooled their money and communicated out to the public about public health. Not necessarily their responsibility, though we would say a huge opportunity for them, and they took it. Um, but they didn't do it singularly. They came together, which is the right way to do that. And then all the way through uh, mask wearing, we saw that. We've seen it with vaccines. So that same spirit that Brandon's talking about right through marketing. The other thing I would say that I think has the greatest impact moving forward is COVID opened the door for many marketers to step forward and demonstrate the real value that they can bring to organizations. And I don't just mean it's a crisis. We got to handle this. What are the communications? Um, that's obviously part of it. But also shutting down in the spring and the desperate, desperate need of hospitals and health systems to fill their financial coffers back up and leadership turning to marketing for what we all know we're there for, which is to move the financial needle. And we and we did it across the board. I mean, I, maybe not 100%, but so many health system leaders and departments that we know, clients and otherwise, stepped right into that opportunity, stepped up to the plate and knocked it out of the park and are now still being seen and valued at a level that they weren't before COVID. And maybe that sounds like a no-brainer, but certainly it's it, it wouldn't, you know, it's not a, a given that people would have taken advantage of that. And, we don't mean that in a terrible way in a, in a crisis like this, but it's a silver lining, I think, for marketing departments that they were able to do that. And now we've got to hold on to that. And we've got to show that that value continues and isn't just about a crisis situation, but is a, an evergreen value that we bring. Yeah. Was it Henry Kissinger that said, never let a good crisis go to waste? And I think that's, you know, that to, to your point, if there is a silver lining from the marketing side, it is that it's the demonstrable value that marketing communications departments have shown during this uh, and, you know, and really um, setting the stage in a little bit different way in many of their organizations. All right. Well, that's our show. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> well, I think there's a question based on, on budget, which we've made a reference to that. And I think with marketing communicators, especially with the fiscal year approaching, how is COVID going to impact marketing budgets and how do we successfully reframe that from a marketing as an investment versus a cost, uh, which has always been a, a topic in, in this industry. So uh, mainly within the minds of leadership is the question. So I'll go first on this one, Brandon. Um, so yes, fiscal year coming for a lot of folks in this industry. A lot of them have the July 1st fiscal year, though not everybody, some people have um, October 1st or January 1st, obviously. Um, but really the, the question is, all right, so we're still probably a little cloudy in terms of forecasting. We're still probably approaching planning as we did at the heart of COVID, which is more real-time, more short-term than we did back before. and was just annual planning. And it, it took us nine months to do an annual plan, um, which is not an exaggeration. So it's really about, so how do we, how do we, keep what we've gained from a marketing standpoint. And, and I don't think there's anybody in the industry that feels comfortable financially. Let's start with that. Uh, I don't, I mean, certainly we see in the news that some health systems did okay. A lot of that was because of the, the support that they got from the federal government, of course. Um, but in terms of same store sales, if you will, 
the, what you make your money from, if it's not investments, delivering care, I don't think there are many organizations that feel like, yeah, we're great. We're, we're set. Uh, there still should be if there's not stress about what's coming financially. And if that's the case, then if we were turned to during this crisis for that, then we should also be there to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure um, financially we're set. Uh, and, and I'm going to, I don't know if I should do this. I'm not going to use the name because this person didn't give me permission to use their name. Um, but I think it's the most phenomenal thing that I've heard in the last month from a, a health system leader that people would recognize. And this person said to me that they have gotten to a place with their marketing that they know how much they're able to drive to the bottom line to the degree that what marketing contributes is now included in the annual financial forecast for the whole system. And this is not a small hospital. This is a large system. Um, I have not heard of that from anybody. Of course, we know we drive that. Many people struggle to measure it. But to get to a point that you can demonstrate a material impact financially for your CFO to say, well, shoot, why, that should be in our forecast. That's really meaningful. That's where we're all headed. That's where we need to be. And that's the kind of thing you need to walk in and say, hey, if we're not here today, this is what we aspire to. So give us, give us the budget we need to make that happen. I think that's just incredible. Yeah, I just I would I would kind of add on a little context to that. It's like, you know, first of all, the amount of money that the hospital industry spends on marketing is woefully inadequate for any industry. Let's just say it, right? It's the average, I think, according to Shushman's annual report, is like 0.62% of net patient revenue. Organizations that want to grow in times of crisis or in normal times invest in marketing, they measure the impact of marketing and they use that marketing to drive their strategic growth goals. The, to me, the problem with what's going to happen with our budgets isn't COVID or not COVID. It might be a failure, a, a collective failure to properly articulate the value that marketing provides to Chris's example he just offered, right? If your best argument is we can't spend less than we spent last year, you're going to lose, right? Like that's, that's a terrible argument. It's a terrible argument in any business. It's like, what difference does it make what you spent last year? What works? What's going to drive results? What's the you know, what's creating that ROI? And that's hard. I'm not trying to minimize that it that it can be challenging in that. But if you look at those companies that have really thrived coming out of crisis in any industry and in almost any crisis in America, it's been those that over-indexed on high ROI marketing and met the world where it was at that time. That was true coming out of the 2001 recession, it was certainly true coming out of the 2008, you know, Uber recession, whatever we call that now. And I think it'll be true coming out of COVID, right? Those, I, I, I'll point to one example of that, that I think proves it without numbers. And that is what's Amazon done during COVID? Amazon's sudden marketing and advertising surge for a company that pre-2015 spent an average of $40 million a year on marketing and advertising is suddenly what the top advertiser in the United States during COVID. These are not stupid people, right? These are people that recognize there's a moment to be met. And we as hospital people are far better equipped to meet that moment than most other industry sectors as well. But we have to commit to it. Yeah. I love the Amazon example too, because we've talked about this on the show. You know, there was kind of a collective sarcastic laugh across the industry when we, we heard about the the disassemble, disassemble, what is that? 
Somebody five disassembly. Remember that movie? What am I thinking of? Sorry, I'm on fumes now. What's the? You know what I'm saying? I don't know, but I feel like a Haven a just broke in your wheel or something. <laughs> no, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. People in the audience, you know what I'm talking about, right? Someone's it's, got to. It's, it's the movie about the little robot who says, "Just no disassemble." Um, Haven was disassembled, and there was a collective laugh, right? And our perspective, and many others, is, "Hey." That should worry you more because now, now Amazon's been unshackled from this collaboration and just go do what they want to do in healthcare. That's far more ominous than Amazon trying to partner with other folks at that level. So short circuit, that's the movie I'm telling you. All right. <laughs> I, I think you're talking about Wally, but I, I, no, no. it was, <laughs> then, then I don't know. And that was my last guess. Wally, <laughs> Wally came after short circuit, looked the same, okay. but I think I'm, his name was number five. Number five is alive. Come yeah. on, help me out in the audience. I know somebody can help me out. We should move on. Chase, got it. Right? Yeah, we should. Let you struggle. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of fun. Yeah. All right, next question. We've got, what would you have hoped hospitals would have done in the COVID era to progress, but they may have missed the opportunity on? Well, I have a good one. You want to yeah, go first? I'll, may, I'll, may, I'll maybe offer a thought or two on, on kind of the operational side before we, before we shift to more brand or marketing focus. You know, I think... Um, most of us that work in hospitals tend to be sort of big institutionally focused, right? We think about campuses and we think about big buildings and we think about, you know, all of those kinds of things. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, let me take a step back. It is profoundly unfair to second guess how hospitals showed up during COVID once in a lifetime pandemic, or at least once in a century pandemic, you know, with let's just call it uneven federal support. I think that's about the kindest way I can, I can state that. You know, I, I think there were a lot of things that could have done differently, but, but I'm, I'll, I'll share this observation against that context, right? Which is like, hey, pretty amazing, actually, the way the, the industry rallied. It would have been great to see coming into COVID and as COVID sustained, a greater shift away from thinking about the campus and the big institution into more dispersed access points. So we've talked a lot about dispersion as a, as a major trend, we think that's gonna come out of COVID. Telehealth was one of them, right? Like we all, we've all talked about that, right? 10 years of change in three weeks or whatever it was, but it's not just telehealth. That's not just what consumers want. They want those retail access points. They don't wanna go to big confusing campuses with difficult signage and all that stuff. And I think it would have been it would have been nice to see that happen a little faster. And, and if not then, then, then now, right? That, that sort of shift to like, forget about what we want. What does the consumer want? What is, like, that's really what matters. I think industries that focus on what they care about tend to suffer. Industries that tend to focus on what consumers want tend to thrive. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take one part of what you said and, and build on it with, Maybe it's not what they could have done better, but it's my fear of what they may not do. And that is really capitalized on the insane opportunity for, for virtual visits and telehealth. I mean, everybody knows we don't have to talk about the numbers and we were all kind of arm twisted into this, but thank goodness we were both from a consumer, patient, provider, organization standpoint. Virtual health is is a win 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 across the whole board. We saw government relax regulation. We saw payers get on board, and some of that may backtrack that we can't control. Right? We're already seeing some payers starting to get snippy again. Um, who knows where the government's going to end up? But but boy, we've also started to sense that that as we ease out of COVID, 
health systems are slowing down a little bit on this. We've seen the numbers drop. Of course, the numbers from last spring are going to be, maybe that's our goal, but it's understandable that when we're all locked up in our houses, the numbers are sky high once we can get back out. But we should still want those numbers to be where they were, because that means we are providing the experience people want. And I think my fear is that health systems will go, great, we can go back to in-person, um, so we don't have to worry about this as much. And boy, if that happens in mass, we are just handing the keys of the car to Teladoc and Walmart Health and CVS and all the other folks that are willing, Optum, they're willing to take those keys. Um, they're trying to take those keys. They know how to drive that car. Uh, I think I've exhausted this metaphor. <laughs> don't give up on virtual. Don't go backwards. That's it. All right, Brandon, we got a question for you. How often do you have to inflate the balloon dog behind you? <laughs> is it really a balloon or is it? I, I get news? to answer that too. I mean, Brandon can go first, but we both get to answer. Yeah. Uh, so uh, never is the answer. And that's because it's not an actual balloon. It's a piece of art. So it is unusual to find art made out of inflated balloons, but, but who knows? So yeah, there's a lineup here. And the, the black thing there is there very specifically because that was last year's Healthcare Agency of the Year Award. Um, and I get to now shill the fact that we are a finalist again this year for Healthcare Agency of the Year. So whoever asked about the blow-up animal, I'm now answering the question I want to answer. <laughs> See, now people are going to think that these were all plants. Like that was our like way all the way around to give that plug. What's the bunny? What is that a peep? Yeah, the white bunny. It's sort of peep-ish. Yeah, he came home from the office. Actually, I don't know if it's a he or she. I've tried to respect his privacy. All right, Chris, we got another one for you, which is you have to reach behind your back, grab a book, and tell us the title, and give us a one sentence summary of the book. It's like it's going to be like Fifty Shades of Grey, (laughs) and immediately. Oh, easy peasy, predictably irrational. Like one of my favorite books of all time. And one sentence summary. Yeah. Um, this book is about how people really think and act, not all the bleep that we hear from traditional research and traditional economics and all that about behavioral economics. And if you have never read this, you just absolutely 100% have to read it. It's amazing. I actually, I'm going to give him a plug. This guy started a company that's all about learning the mechanisms of behavioral science and behavioral design. And I took a course on my own and it's just, Phenomenal, just for fun over COVID because had a little bit of spare time, couldn't go out. So go check that out too. Irresistible Labs. They don't sponsor the show, but I will always, I will always give plugs to people that do amazing things. So there you go. Nice. All right, a little bit of step back to the budget question we had earlier, but a little more insight from someone. And the question is: Our organization believes that physician acquisition and partnerships is the key to financial growth. They have a hard time seeing the value of advertising and marketing. Our ad budget has been slashed at half this year. How can we show the value with our hands being tied, aka limited budget? There's an also another comment in the chat that maybe is a little bit related to this question. It says, seems like the don't go backwards argument is sellable to administrations, but way harder with the physicians. Any thoughts there? It's like they've been holding their breath and are ready to exhale. I want to take the last question first and go first on that. That is, if there is a nail with a head on it, that was it. Is that the right way to say that? 
Nailed it right there. Like that is the reason we're going backwards. We're, we're being a little slow. We're trying to take our time. We're trying to do things right. That's okay. But the number one reason, and we have said this from the get-go from last spring, um, what's going to cause you to slip back is your providers not wanting to do this. Now, that was probably one of the, the, the primary obstacles in the first place. And they didn't have a choice in the spring. And that opened the eyes to a lot of them that, hey, this actually works fine. This is great. But not all of them. Um, and it's understandable that they want to speak in person to their consumers. Like, hey, that's that's not a problem. It should always be an option, always. But you got to also understand there are a lot of your patients that would far prefer to sit in this kind of setting and read predictably irrational than go into your waiting room and read Golf Digest from 2014 while I wait for you. Like that's nothing against you, doctor, whoever. That's just who we are as consumers. So that is the one thing you have to work on. It's helping them understand why this is still important, why it's not just about COVID anymore, why this is what consumers have always wanted, will continue to want, and if, if we are not providing this, we're going to lose these people to the folks that get that. So that's my answer. Yeah, and I think to the, to the comment that was made around, you know, my leadership believes physician practice acquisition is, you know, and engagement is so critical. So, like, I mean, gosh, it, we don't want to leave the impression that we don't think how hospitals and health systems engage with physicians is important. Like, of course it's important, right? I mean, in, in, in many ways you know, we've oriented our entire system around physician preferences and physician time. And I, I think what, you know, what we're really, so, so you're going to acquire practices. Great. You're going to, you know, you're working on physician engagement. Great. Of course, like those are, those things are really important. And still most, you know, most hospitals and health systems only, they only capture about 50% of the admissions from the doctors they employ. So, you know, just looking at that, at that sort of network leakage is, is really critical I think what we're saying is, though, it can't be so imbalanced that it's all about the doctor to the detriment of the consumer. Like when when a doctor and I hear anybody say, well, I would prefer X. It's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Like, isn't this about the people we serve? And if people are not going to get care or not going to care when they need it because we can't meet them where they are, that's our problem. That's not their problem. And that's what we have to solve, whether that's virtual or retail clinics or outpatient or whatever it is, right? Like it's our job to figure out how to get people what they need. And I don't think there's anybody other than really, really busy physicians that think waiting rooms are a good idea. Yeah, I'm just gonna add to that too, because the last book we put out, The Gospel of Growth, talks to this a little bit, right? I mean, to Brandon's point, we understand that, particularly from a C-suite perspective, the three ways that you grow revenue are expansion, particularly bricks and mortar expansion, mergers and acquisitions and payer contracts, right? That's what they, that's where they see the big dollars. We know marketing contributes. Marketing's job is to figure out how they can influence those three things. And also, as the example I gave before, show how, wait a second, there's a fourth pillar here that we can contribute to. I remember a number of years ago, it's going to date me probably 15 years ago, we were working with the health system and the marketing person said, you know, we're just really struggling because the chief strategy officer, his, his motto is, Anybody who spends money on hospital marketing is stupid because it doesn't get you anywhere. All you, all you, the only way you grow is through merger acquisition, physician acquisition. And, and what I would say to that is that's a complete misunderstanding of what marketing is, right? So even if you're going to pour all your resources into acquisition, what be it physician group, community hospital, mergers, whatever, 
Um, marketing is not just about promotion. It's not just about communication. It's about the experience you're delivering. It's about pricing strategy. It's about making sure that how you expand and where you expand matches the needs of the market, all of those things. So you're going to do all that without marketing? I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's stupid. I think that's, I think somebody's stupid, but it isn't us. That's what I would say. I, I think, I do think there's a lot of times we, we, we go back and forth between the word marketing and the word advertising as though they are the same thing yeah. and, and they're not right. You don't get an MBA with an emphasis in advertising. You get an MBA with an emphasis in marketing sometimes, which is a, which to your point, Chris, is this much broader suite of capabilities and ways to create and measure value. And advertising is a part of that. But, you know, if somebody's making the argument that hospitals spend too much on pure brand advertising that doesn't necessarily tie to ROI, I think probably most of us would nod a little bit and say, yeah, some of those dollars could probably be better used to hardcore marketing activities around customer, you know, around patient acquisition and retention, around creating longer you know, lifetime loyalty, about delivering content that people need, you know, the rest of the marketing mix that isn't as, maybe as sexy as the big brand campaign, but is usually infinitely more measurable and therefore can be tied to business impact. All right, let's move on to the next question. Which triggers should we be talking to leadership about that signal of move back to no normal business? When are our revised clients planning to get back to their jobs as marketers to support the organization's business priorities? Hmm. Have we seen that with clients already, talking with other leaders, on whether it's the podcast or Chris, the people that you're talking to? Yeah, I can go first. Um, yeah, they're already doing that. It's just to what degree are they doing it and where are they doing it? Obviously, vaccines are taking up all the oxygen in the room still. Um, I think we're kind of easing out of that as the vaccine distribution has gone beyond just hospitals and health systems. There's certainly for the clients that we work with and the people we talk to has been an ongoing focus on patient acquisition, service line growth, because again, we, we, we've got to survive financially. And unless you're in Michigan, and you've had it closed back down, which unfortunately is the case in some places in Michigan, you're still able to, to provide all the services that you need to. So um, that should be happening now. Uh, I think the next big thing is how are we going to go out there with our brand? Uh, and, and not just in the way Brandon's talking about with a brand campaign, though that would be part of it, but who the heck are you now? What do you stand for? How are you different? Who are you competing against? Is it hospital B and C? Or is it Amazon and Walmart Health, because you ought to be thinking about that. And if you're thinking about that, then you ought to be thinking about brand in a new way. If, you, if you're looking at where we're at in this pandemic, uh, I think we've said this before, but we think about this like we did the Great Depression or World War II or 9-11. It is, it is going to have long lasting, if not permanent impact on our society, on our industry, on our organizations, on the people we care for. So if, if you're thinking about that, that you ought to be going, boy, then what the heck are we going to do about our brand? Um, and there's all kinds of great places to go, new places that we couldn't go before, some dangers out there, but that's the next big thing. And while you may not be ready to go out there with a new brand, you ought to be thinking about it right now. Yeah, and I, I guess I would just add to that a little bit because I think you know when, when people say, what's the signal that we're sort of back to normal, I think it begs the issues to what normal will be. I, I, I don't think it's going in any way to be just, let's start right back where we were on March 10th of last year, right? It's, it's, it's just not. I mean, 
there's this fundamental shift in what we're comfortable with and what we like and what we're willing to lean into and, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of things. And I think, you know, one of the things I, I like your point, Chris, about sort of how the brand morphs and how positioning morphs, because I think the kind of public health crises that we're going to see over the next few years are going to be different, right? There's going to be exacerbated mental health issues across lots of different cohorts. There's going to be very real issues for kids that have been sequestered, right, for a year and learning remotely. I mean, we'll see how much real learning comes out of that, right? I mean, we're already seeing major uptick in violent crime in, in major urban areas that we have not seen in 25 years, right? So, and, and I'm not suggesting hospitals have to solve those problems, but I think to the extent that hospitals decide they're about health and not just sick people, leaning into a lot of those issues is, is really critical. And when we don't, who does? Well, it's the health plans, and they may or may not do it in a way that is helpful or even helpful for the, for the hospital industry to help survive and solve some of those problems. Yeah, that's great. The last thing I'll just add there is, I think it's less about triggers at this point. Um, we've heard from a lot of guests on this show that they're run, running parallel tracks here. They're running their normal marketing. Um, at the same time, they're running COVID communications, vaccine education, that kind of thing. And so really, it's less of a trigger to go from one to the other and more just as these things slide. They're, hopefully, they're, you know, one's sliding to diminish and one's growing. And the diminishing is the need to talk about COVID, the need to talk about vaccines. It's going to be with us for a while yet. You know, we're not near where we need to be with vaccines. We know that there's a potential fourth surge that's going to look different. Again, Michigan's right in the, the thick of it right now. Uh, it's going to be more localized in that kind of way, maybe more severe. Minnesota just announced that they they are now at hospitalizations at the level they were in mid-January. So we're starting to see it. So it, it's just, we're going to have, it's why it's no normal. It's not as clean cut as like, okay, we're done with COVID and now we can move on. Um, it's always going to be this balance, maybe a little seesaw. I don't know what metaphor to use. At some point, it'll, it'll be, it, you know, COVID will be the flu shot. Whether that's this year or not, let's hope it is. That's when you'll be like almost 100% back to where you were, but we're not there yet. I would, I would mention, I guess, one of the things, like if you're really looking for those measures, it's what's emergency volume look like, what's diagnostic volume look like, what's preventative care volume look like, and maybe not in that order, right? I think you know, one of the challenges I have with emergency volume, it's like, man, for years, we've all been saying like about a third to a half of the patients in your ED don't belong in your ED, they belong somewhere else. So I don't think it's just a question of that volume. It's, it's a question of, is it the right volume, right, that, that's coming in there? I think, you know, preventative care and diagnostic, you know, we, we worried a lot about that when the pauses first started. It's like, it's one mm -hmm. thing to get your scheduled patients rescheduled. It's another to diagnose people who are going to be scheduled in the future. And if people are avoiding imaging and they're avoiding, you know, anything they might view as elective that isn't really elective, I think that the, those are real sources of concern. So I think that does require a pretty deep dive into the data, right, that really looks at what are those volumes, what's the acuity coming in from those volumes to make sure we're, we're sort of fine-tuning that message. Because I don't think it's as simple as saying, get back in the emergency room. It's like, well, no, many of them don't belong there. They didn't before, right? They belong in urgent care or physician's office or telehealth or, or whatever it is. So, but I, but I think those are some of those leading indicators in a lot of ways, right? Because half your admissions come from the ED. So if the, you know, if the ED volume drops, it's not 
un unreasonable to expect a meaningful drop in your volume as well, your inpatient volume. And, and Chase, I just have to interject here because somebody in the chat has helped me out that short circuit is a real thing. No disassemble was a real thing. And the slogan for the movie was number five is alive. So the, the commenter said Ali Sheedy's Oscar worthy performance. Um, she was robbed. So I highly those are, recommend those are words. You will never hear anywhere else. Ali Sheedy, <laughs> Oscar worthy performance. Oh, Ali Sheedy was amazing in breakfast club. She was fantastic in that. All right, sorry, Chase. I just had that's to, all right. I mean, we're I related. Set the record straight. There you go. Set it straight. I mean, we're related to the conversation you guys were having with the delay of care because of the crisis. Is that the focus right now? Is that what we should be promoting? That come back, receive care, or is it more so that kind of brand campaign? Is it both at the same time? What are your thoughts on which comes first? Well, it's not a chicken and the egg unless you have the chicken and the egg both there. Um, again, I don't think it's either or. Uh, I do think, though, that we still see, and I just saw somebody talking about this yesterday, volume's not where we'd want them to be, still a little depressed. Research still shows that there's still some fear of COVID, though it's not like it was last year. And so I think like campaigns are explicitly about, don't be afraid, come back in. I think those are probably past us. We, we just need to convince people to come in. Uh, and they're putting off care again, not just for many people for the fear of COVID, but financial struggles, economic difficulties. Uh, we know we're on the right track with that in terms of the economy, but there's still millions of people that are not where they were before. So I think that's a big part of it. And, and the case has to be, it's not just come back in, it's why is this, why is getting your annual checkup important? Why is your six month diabetes checkup important? Why do you need to get that prostate exam? Like all of those things where they were before, um, we may need to spend a little more time, effort, and money now. But I think it's that level of message. Uh, that's probably not your brand, but it can run alongside of your brand. That's my off-the-cuff answer. I would totally agree. I mean, what you're effectively talking about is service line marketing through a little bit of a different lens, right? And, and targeting people at a little bit different point in time. I think the brand can be about that in some ways, so so they can, I think, work in tandem and should work in tandem. To your point, that I think you said the chicken and the egg both need to be present at the same time. The, uh, the hard to argue with, right? Like I I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both working together. But I'm I'm with you. I don't think it's as much about you're afraid, so come back. I think now it's here's what you need to come back for and why. Great point. So so keep an eye on the clock, Chase. Let's let's have maybe one or two more questions so people can get back to their everyday lives. One of the questions is, if we ever consult with marketing leaders to partner on presentations to hospital leadership about this type of fundamental shift and how we should think about brand and marketing in a, in a post-COVID world. Yeah, for sure. We've done that for a long time, I think. And we all know the value of bringing somebody in from the outside. It can be infuriating. Uh, for those on the inside, right, who've been saying these things and it's not getting the resonance it should. And then you bring in somebody from the outside, it says the exact same thing. And your CEO's like, wow, that is, we should be doing that. Um, <laughs> so, so use that, you know, for good, use that to your benefit. But the other thing I'll say is um, my experience, and I've done a lot of that, is that that alone isn't going to be enough. Um, it's, it can really help. But if you're trying to convince a C-suite member of anything, you can get them on the hook for that meeting, maybe for the next day. 
And then all they have to do is see something that contradicts it a week later, and they're going to be back to their default. So anything you're trying to, you know, any kind of change management, any kind of attitude change takes kind of a long-term approach, a planful approach, you know, and we can help craft that too. Um, unfortunately, as great as Brandon is, or I would be or you, Chase, at coming in there, well, you know, we can we can say this stuff with the best of them and it will help. But thinking about it a little more planfully long-term is going to be where you actually have success. Yeah. And I know the question was about the fundamental shift in thinking about brand and marketing, but I, I would I would also really encourage the thinking of the discussion should be about the fundamental shift in brand and marketing in the context of consumer desires and the competitive set, right? Those because I, I think ultimately, if you're a hospital executive or on a hospital board and you don't really believe the world's changing, then there's no way you're ever going to believe that marketing and brand need to change. If you, if you don't believe that Optum, CVS, Walmart, Amazon et al. pose a long-term threat to your viability, then who cares what they're doing, right? If you don't really believe that consumer preferences matter and the only thing that matters is physician preference, then you're probably not going to be willing to think differently about brand and marketing either. So I would just encourage like the conversation should be about where those things meet, right? Where consumer preference and the competitive set and your approach to marketing and brand all come together. And that, that's really, to, to me, that's really what, what matters. Here's a really quick, easy one. Will there be another... Joe Public Retreat, Chris. Is that your question, Chase? <laughs> no, that's not my question. Uh, for those who don't know, Chase is the mastermind behind the Joe Public Retreat. So I didn't know if that was like an internal conversation we just had. And if you're not familiar with the Joe Public Retreat, it's something we do at least once a year. Uh, we even did it last year. It just happened to be right before COVID hit. So we got that tucked right in there. It was nice. Uh, where we bring in the top health system marketers from across the country. Uh, we get them together in a room for two and a half days and we all roll up our sleeves, put the biggest challenges on the table. And it's hard to describe the level of conversation that goes on. It is unbelievable to sit in that room and talk to the best of the best in this business and hear them share their stories, what they're doing, what's not working. Every year I come away with a little bit of jaw drop about, wow, that's new, or I hadn't heard that, or I can't believe somebody said that. Um, I just think back to February and some of the things uh, that we talked about, they're just uh, incredible. So yes, the answer to that long-winded is yes. I believe it's February. Is that correct? Yeah. February 7th through the 9th in 2022. So next year. In, Nash in Nashville. Yep. So we'll be doing that. Also know that we were trying to replicate this um, and we have last year and we continue to do that this year with what we call the Joe Public All Access. So it's a virtual event. It's not two and a half day Zoom meeting. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, it's just a couple hours, but it's the same spirit. Same spirit. It's all conversation. It's not presentation of any kind of content. It's just let's let's talk about this stuff. Yeah, and to whoever answered the question, I would say our, our goal has always been to do this about every you know, 12 months because of just how fast the world's changing. But February of 2020 was our last event, and we had one scheduled for March of this year. would have been just last month. We pushed it to later this year. And then, you know, the vaccine distribution went a little bit slower than we're all comfortable with. So now February of 2022. So unfortunately, it will be two years in between, but that just means it has to be twice as good. Oh, it's going to be. I, I want the final question. Be. I want the final question. Oh, I want to know from Brandon and Chase, when you guys are completely 100% vaccinated, 
what are you get? What's the first thing you can't wait to do? Oh, live oh, music! I've got an answer. Yeah, oh, live yeah. live music. That's. I'll I'll go to a restaurant now if I can sit oh, yeah, a little bit far apart from someone or sit outside. But all I want is to be back in an arena with live music. Hard to replicate. We is that are your suit, Chase. No, we're going on a trip actually. Well, both my wife and I are vaccinated and we're going uh, through the southern part of Utah on an RV trip with our kids. And that's actually next month. So super excited. You know, about that. we just had a we had a meeting where we asked this of everybody and I almost universally the answers are either that we're going to travel or Brandon's. Mine was the same. Like, I'm going to find the most low rent 80s metal hair cover band that I can find like the worst one. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to crack open a pass through ribbon and I'm just going to take it all in. I Steel cannot Panther. wait. Steel Panther. There you go. Is there that what it go. is? Steel <laughs> Panther. All right. All right. That might be a good one to end on chase before we spiral. Well, yeah, that was a great show. Thank you, Brandon, for joining us. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. Thank you everybody for the questions. Thanks for joining us. Chase as always a hundred shows, dude. Amazing. Yes. You going to talk about our, our guest for next week? You know, I am. I was going to tease it, but we'll just, just slow roll it just for a second. If you want, if you got something you want us to talk about for the next show or down the road, throw it in the chat right now if you're live. Otherwise, email us at nonormal at thinkrevivehealth.com. Do not forget to join us next week because A, we got Brandon coming back. So fantastic. But B, our special guest is Wendell Potter. If you don't know who Wendell Potter is, he's a former health insurance executive turned whistleblower. He wrote Deadly Spin, which is a very famous book that kind of unearthed all of the awful practices that health insurers play about delaying claims and fighting, you know, all kinds of public health stuff. It is, it is an amazing read. Wendell Potter's still out there doing his thing. Brandon, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about how we might be collaborating with Wendell Potter now or wait for the show, but it's going to be fantastic to have him on. Yeah, I mean, he's he is an exceptional author and speaker, also just really decent human being, which is always nice to have people like that around you. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll talk, uh, we'll share a little bit more about our long-term plans next week. Yeah, that's great. So make sure you put that on your calendar. You join us. Remember to visit thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 for all of our good stuff. It's all there. Subscribe on iTunes if you can. And until then, until Wendell Potter and Brandon are with us next week and Chase too. Good luck out there in the no normal. Thanks for joining us today, you guys.